Today's episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash deathdyingpod. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Today's episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things is also brought to you by BarkBox.com. Get one free extra month of BarkBox at getbarkbox.com slash deathdyingpod. You're listening to the Modern Horrors Podcast Network. Just a quick shout out to Daniel Smith for supporting the show on Patreon. It means a lot. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash deathdying and other things. Any little bit helps. Now, on to the show. I don't have much to say about this month's episode. Certainly not as much as last month's. I tried to go back to basics a little bit with these two stories. I hope you enjoy them. This month, on Death, Dying, and Other Things, two stories about people being right. In Mom, I'm Scared, a little girl is right to be scared. And in Barely Going to Make It, a man headed home for the holidays meets one obstacle after another. Death and dying, the thresholds between this world and the next, the boundary between light and dark, the barrier between worlds, and that's where we're going. We are going into the shadows to bring you stories of horror and heartbreak. From the Modern Horrors Podcast Network, this is Death, Dying, and Other Things. I'm Justin Buskey. Stay with us. Tony Tremaine was a scared little girl. Scared of her school, scared of other kids, scared of the basement, scared of the washer and dryer, scared of the tree outside of her window, scared to open her closet, scared of the stairs up to the house's second floor, scared of the shadow underneath her bed, scared of the dark, scared of heights, scared of being scared, scared of the night. Her mother, Vanessa, single and tired, didn't know how to help a little girl who was too scared to walk to the mailbox on a cloudy day. The sun's not out, Tony would say. And what does that matter, Vanessa would ask. I might get struck by lightning, Tony would say. From where, Vanessa would ask. The clouds, Tony would say. And besides, if the sun's not shining, the monsters can come out. There's no monsters in the middle of the day, Vanessa would say. There's no monsters in the middle of the night, for that matter, but fine. And Vanessa would walk down the driveway to get the mail from the mailbox, and Tony would stare out the window, praying that her mom wouldn't get struck by lightning on the way. Tony's behavior was especially problematic in the middle of the night, when she'd hear a strange noise, or convince herself she did, and be too scared to leave her bed. She'd scream and scream 
and scream bloody murder until Vanessa woke up with a fright and ran downstairs and into Tony's room to comfort her child. What's wrong? What is it? Vanessa would ask. And Tony would say, there's a monster. I can hear it. Where do you hear it? Vanessa would ask. And Tony would say, by the closet. And Vanessa would get very cross with her daughter and march to the closet and throw the door open and rustle the clothes to show Tony there was nothing lurking inside. Now listen, I have work in the morning, Vanessa would say. You have to be a little bit tougher. For me, but also for yourself. You can't go through life being scared of your own shadow. I'm sorry, Mommy, Tony would say, blubbering and sobbing. And Vanessa would soften and return to her child's bedside and hug her close and tell her there was nothing to be scared of and go to work the next day a bit too tired. Vanessa assumed that Tony's behavior would improve with age, but by the time Tony was ten, she was nearly paralyzed on an hourly basis. Counselors couldn't help, and her grades suffered at school, and the midnight screaming fits became a near-nightly occurrence. One night, deep in the autumn, the screaming started right on cue, and Vanessa laid in bed, awake, listened to her daughter scream, resented her daughter for a moment, and considered staying in bed to let Tony sort it out herself. She wasn't a cruel woman, though, and pulled herself out of bed and trudged down the stairs to calm her daughter's screaming. On this particular night, chilly as it was, the air felt quite thick and stale, like there was an abundance of dust swirling about. But Vanessa kept quite a clean home, despite being stretched so thin, and so the musty scent set her on edge. Tony's screams continued from her bedroom, frantic as ever, animalistic howling with no language to be found except the occasional mommy to punctuate the shrieking. Vanessa made a mental note to clean after work the next day and rounded the corner into the hallway. There was a nightlight, quite a bright one in fact, that Tony slept with in her room. A glow emanating from that cracked door was not out of the ordinary for Vanessa to see as she rounded the corner and walked down the hall. But this time it was different. That nightlight in Tony's room, bright as it was, glowed warm and yellow, but the glow Vanessa saw from her daughter's room now was quite pale and green. Vanessa hurried her pace quickly to a run, and in those few moments dashing down the hall, saw a great many shadows curl their long claws across that green light. Vanessa threw open the door, looked over to her daughter's bed, where she saw Tony, bathed in green light, eyes wide in terror, screaming so loudly her voice broke. Vanessa followed Tony's focus across the room near to her closet. Something hung in the air just in front of the closet door, glowing pale green and wriggling gently. It grew every moment, swelling in front of Vanessa's shock. 
Vanessa darted to the side of the bed, scooped her daughter up in her arms, and placed her hands in front of Tony's eyes. Tony screamed in Vanessa's ear, I told you, Mommy, I told you. Vanessa made a move to the door, and the glowing green orb shifted around her to block her exit. She ran to the window and struggled with the locks, and finally slid it open. Vanessa lowered Tony to the ground and told her to run. I'm scared, Mommy, Tony said. Run, Vanessa said. I'm scared, Tony repeated. Run, Vanessa said. Tony finally listened to her mother, turned and ran into the dark night. Vanessa grabbed the edges of the window and began to crawl through when behind her the clow disappeared. She put her foot back onto the carpet and turned with all of the trepidation of her daughter and found the glowing green orb had been replaced with a dense black one, undulating and pulsing and stretching. Then it broke like an egg and an oily goop plopped onto the floor. A figure rose up from it near immediately, thin and wispy and pale gray. It looked at the empty bed and turned to face Vanessa. Where'd she make off to? I do love her screams so. No matter, I'll be back tomorrow then. And it slipped past Vanessa and into Tony's closet, where it faded from sight. Vanessa, now trembling, heard Tony's screams echo through the neighborhood. God damn, it's really coming down, Brian said into his cell phone. Yeah, this is why I was telling you to leave yesterday. It's going to take you twice as long to get here through this storm, his sister Beth complained back to him. Brian was on the highway on the night of December 24th, desperately trying to get to his sister house the next state over. Trouble for him was the first nasty winter storm of the season had just kicked up, and the snow swirling in front of traffic was slowing movement to a crawl. Man, I don't even know if I'm going to make it at all, depending how much snow this storm dumps. Brian trailed off. You're going to make it. You're going to make it, Beth said. You might not get here till midnight, but you'll make it. All right. Brian said. I'll keep you posted. He hung up his cell phone and placed it gingerly in its cradle on his dashboard, pulling up the weather report, not a great outlook, and a map for perhaps an alternate route. This distracted him for a fraction of a second too long. He looked back at the road, swerved to avoid the car only yards in front of him, and slid onto the shoulder. Brian took a deep breath and laughed at his own carelessness as several drivers honked their horns to shame him. It took nearly two hours to get out of the city, which wasn't great news for getting across state lines that night. He called up his sister to break the news. Hey, he said. Hey, Beth said. Just got out of the city, he said. 
Jesus, she said. Holly's going to be disappointed. She was looking forward to seeing you. I know, Brian said. I'm looking forward to seeing her too. You want to talk to her? Beth asked. No, that's okay. Just tell her I'll be there as soon as I can, Brian said. Since he got out of the city, the snow had let up somewhat. It was barely sticking to the road anymore. The traffic all around him had fallen off just outside the city, and now all he had was open road. Hey, there's something up ahead of me. Police lights. Let me call you back, Brian said as he hung up the phone. A half mile ahead of him was a pile of police cars, four at least, flashing blue and red. There are at least a few more vehicles with flashing yellow lights in the fray and flares lining the road. Brian slowed as he approached. A cop, bundled against the cold, waved to him, and he cracked his window. Bad accident up ahead, he said. You gotta pull off here and take the scenic route. Sorry. Brian nodded and followed the flares off the highway before calling his sister back and getting her voicemail. Gonna be even later. Bad accident. Have to take a detour. The storm really whipped up again, almost on cue, and enveloped Brian's car. He had to pull off the road and take a break from driving as the snow was falling so thick. Within minutes, the snow piled so high on the windshield that the wipers couldn't push it anymore. Brian cranked the heat. He huddled in his car for 45 minutes while snow dumped all around him, and when it finally let up some, it had taken the road with it. Brian got out of the car and gazed into the gray darkness surrounding him and his vehicle. The white snow piled up all around him, faded into nothing only a few dozen feet from where he was standing. He scanned the horizon in the direction he thought he had come from to check if he could still see the flashing police lights, but those were out of view now, too. Brian gulped heavily. He was trapped on a side road, snowed in, and his car was going to need a fill-up soon. He ducked back into his car to warm up and check the GPS on his phone, but it couldn't pin down his location. His phone's screen lit up in front of him, a call from his sister. Hey, he said. Hey, she said. I'm trapped, snowed in on some side road that the police made me get on, he said. You can't move? Beth asked. I can't even see the road, the snow is so deep, Brian said. I'm going to have to call the police and get rescued. He laughed. Beth didn't. All right, she said, sighing. Keep me posted. I will, Brian said, and then hung up. He quickly dialed 911. 911, what is your emergency? He heard a voice say on the other end of the phone. Yeah, hi. I was driving east on the highway 
when I came up on an accident and the officer there made me get off the highway and onto a side road where I'm now stuck because of the storm, Brian said. I'm sorry, where did you say you were located? The dispatcher asked. Well, I I don't know. My phone's GPS can't pinpoint me. I'm just somewhere just past that accident on the side road they were directing people down, Brian said. Sir, we didn't have an accident on the interstate last night. Are you sure that's what happened? Yes. I was driving east on the interstate and came up on an accident, and the officer there made me turn off the interstate to where I am now. Sir, I'm telling you there was no accident on the interstate. There was. I saw it. I talked to the police officer at the scene. Sir, I want to get you help, but I need to know where you are. Do you know where you are? The dispatcher asked. No, I, uh, I guess I don't, Brian said. Are there any landmarks around you? It's all white. Dark and white, Brian said. He hung up and dialed his sister. Hey, she said. Hey, he said. Something weird is going on. I I don't know where I am. Brian heard his sister's doorbell ring through the receiver, and then his brother yell out, I'll get it. A few moments ticked by, and then he heard his niece shout, Mom, it's Uncle Brian. Beth laughed and then shouted, See, I told you so. What kind of trick was this? Brian said, Wait, wait, I'm still out here. Then the line disconnected. This episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things was produced and edited by me, Justin Ruskin. The stories, Mom, I'm Scared, and Barely Going to Make It, were written by me, too. You can follow me on Twitter, at Justin Ruskin. Intro and outro music is by the prolific Eric Warnke. Check him out on SoundCloud. Special thanks to Being Right. Death, Dying, and Other Things is a member of the Modern Horrors Podcast Network. Check out all the other shows that are New episodes the second Thursday of every month. This has been Death, Down, and Other Things, and I've been your host, Justin Buskey. Stay out of the shadows. <laughs>